You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 444, the XXL size quiz, pop stars who are too old to rock and roll, and can bands survive without the singer? That's all coming up after Paul McCartney and too many people.
very thinly veiled set of references to his differences with John Lennon. Uh, the album, it received terrible reviews at the time of its release, but despite that, still made it to number two on the Billboard uh, 200 and number one in the UK from the album Ram, released in May 1971. Paul and Linda McCartney and too many people. And who would have had Paul McCartney down as a Brexiteer? Not me, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> he he was ahead of the 40 years uh, ahead there yeah um, so weirdly i think he was a remainer actually to uh to uh that, well he described I, I think he'd be a remainer he's yeah. he's what, what he, the quotes are and i think this is an excellent quote so paul mccartney had said the brexit referendum was quote probably a mistake quote unquote and he will quote be glad when it is over quote unquote he had not wrote it in the referendum he said as he didn't see anybody saying anything sensible enough i think this is the best comment i have seen from a pop person on brexit and the referendum to date so fair play to paul mccartney now thank you for joining us here at the Parish Council podcast, um, it's episode 444. I'm Terence Stackham. And let, let's just double check. Let's make sure she hasn't been no platformed. Um, no, it's OK. She's here. It's Juliet Harris. I'm free to spout my rubbish on this mm. platform for however long that you're willing to put up with it, which is still longer than many people have put up with it. It has to be said. Forever and ever. Forever and ever is the answer to that. Um, time now for the quiz. Uh, that it oh, usurps wow. all others, leaves them all gasping for air in yeah, its wake. In your face, pointless, so long the chase. Here we are. It's the big quiz in which the contestants are invited to identify five items on a theme um, with five bonus points if um, the artist involved can be identified. This all happens in a 30-second segment. Happens um, in a flash. You have to really hang on mm, to your hat. Oh, you do. Now, stepping onto the stage, I'd like to introduce this week's contenders. They are uh, you, the listener, and you, the Juliet Harris. That is me, or you mm. or me. I don't know. Anyway, hello. Now, uh, you, don't be nervous, Juliet. We all want you to win here. We're all <laughs> on your side, Juliet. <laughs> Where is, when is my speedboat prize going to appear? That's what I want to know. This week, the theme is body parts. Oh, no. Yeah, oh, yeah. Gosh. So you need to be a sort of musical forensic scientist. I mean, as... you know, I do think this is a bit much <laughs> Sunday evening when we're recording this, but never mind. I wore my best jacket for this, and for what? That's what I can say. Well, well, I, I, I've got a very easy one, as ever, to start to get you, to well, get you the listener. Well, that's incredibly kind. I and you, the Juliet, that. started, yeah. So, um, George, keep out of the black and um, in the red. So we're sort of piecing a cadaver together in in the best possible taste. <laughs> <laughs> Bits of bodies, uh, uh, Jules. Um, starting with, I hope the easy one, although an unusual version. Yeah, indeed. I want to hold your hand. It was the uh, it was the tune, I believe, and I believe. Well, it sounded like. Is, is, was that the Beatles? I it was the Beatles. They yeah. did um, to to satisfy the German market because of their time in Hamburg. They they recorded. I want to hold your hand, and she loves you in German. Oh yes, oh, that's on the Beatles Rarities album, which is blue with gold writing, and available on vinyl for anybody that has that. Mm. 
so yes um so your hand was the uh, was the body part in the Beatles, as you quite rightly identified. Uh, number two, Juliet. Uh, indeed. Well, so this next one is um, I Want You Back, I believe, by uh, by the Jackson Five. Four out of four. We've, we've got a hand and we've got a back. We've got a spine. Um, <laughs> building <laughs> building the, this, this body together. Um, number three. I'm not sure on this. I believe it's Kate Bush. Um, yes. I'm going to guess at... Come on, Julia, come oh, on. God. Is it Constellation of the Heart? No, 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 no. Um, it's the man with the with child. The child in his eyes. Eyes, eyes. Oh, I'm going to give you half a point there. because I'll give you a point for Kate Bush. I'm going to give you half a point because on a prompt there, you you yeah, did. That's, you knew that's, it. that's overly generous. Thank you very much. <laughs> the next one, Anyone Who Had a Heart by yes. Sid Black. What a great record that is. Zero, and understand that there was a home movies type documentary. Yeah, I watched it. Yeah. Good. I must try and catch up with it. It, it was quite interesting. It was no great sort of revelations. And, it, you know, the way it was um, promoted, you thought, oh, you know, behind the scenes with Scylla. But really, it was just a load of home movies. But it was lovely to see her, you know, happy and sort of jolly in the 60s and 70s with Bobby. And, uh, you know, it was just lovely. Yeah. That sounds grand. I don't think I would definitely try and sit in the last one. Um, possibly my favourite of all of those records, I think. I just can't get you out of my head by... Your friend of mine, uh, the honorary Brit that is Kylie Minogue. Well, you've got nine and a half, which is nearly perfect. Yeah, yeah, I would do anything for ten, but I won't do that. Yes, Uh, my apologies for not not being as au fait with... I need to revise Kate Bush for these quizzes because she always seems to pop up. Um, My Kate Bush appears to be your Elvis Presley in terms of people (laughs) that we never quite recognise. True. Well, I'm afraid you know you needed the you needed to get them all to win the gold effect carriage clock. Oh, what? Do at I, the do CNA I... dinner service. I'm afraid they they you know they look have a look at what you could have won. Do I get a checkbook and pen though, and uh, my bus fare home? Yeah, bus fare home. That's right. Actually, you know, um, Kate Bush. There, you mentioned it. I mean, I was just thinking about you know who wears who knows where the time goes, as we often say. But oh. it'll be an almost unbelievable six years in a few months since uh, those run of gigs at Hammersmith in August 2014 uh, for Kate Bush. Six years. Yeah, like you say, who does know where the time goes? It's ridiculous. Um, You know, I know know she's always, traditionally almost always, taken a long time to create new work, but it it does strike me. I wonder, rather wonder if we'll ever see or hear Kate Bush as a public figure again. It, it does feel like those 2014 gigs were a kind of last go of it. I don't know. You, but you never know with Kate uh, Bush. She's one of those people who who is is so continually surprising that it would never surprise me if she uh, if she one day we if she did a Bowie if we woke up one day and there was a new album. Yes, I, I, I would. I live in hope. I would. I would love it. But, you know. But still, I suppose. Yeah, great legacy of work, even if she never touches a piano or sings. I was going to say, looking at the studio albums, to have produced within a a 15, 16 year period, the kick inside Lionheart, Never Forever, the Dreaming, Hounds of Love, the Sensual World and the Red Shoes, as a sort of a 16 year run, 15 year run, that's something else, isn't it, really? And uh, I'm a huge fan of Ariel, by the way, which followed 12. And exactly, Ariel followed 12 years after the Red Shoes. Mm. I know that she was younger then, but having said that, you know, the fact that we had uh, we had director's cut um we had two albums in one year in 2011 we had director's cut which was sort of off cuts and 50 words for snow it is still you know nine years on we're still not the biggest gap between albums so you never know could be right 
coming right up. Are you ever too old to rock and roll? <laughs> we'll soon find out. Yeah, that's next after Nicola Roberts. Once upon a time, I press rewind. Two left feet, I had no beat. Baby in the corner, learning quick. Keep up, keep up, keep up. Graduation, take a bow. See how strong you've made me now. Two stepping all over me, then cha cha, cha cha. through my cd and online music collections i sometimes do and um got into a sort of a, a neglected sort of female electro pop groove the other day and came across this partly because i just happened to be sitting around and also because nicola roberts who that was formerly of girls aloud known to the general populace as the ginger one from girls aloud oh. um recently was unveiled as the singer the winning singer on the masked singer that rather peculiar program on itv which had celebrities singing each week it was an import from the states in costumes and you had to guess which was which and she uh, showed an astonishing range in winning the program unfortunately was was her, the moment was rather kind of eclipsed by the very sad death of caroline flack that weekend oh right i'm yeah. extremely pleased that um she's been given a second shot at the big time really because i think she was a much more interesting figure I mean, don't get me wrong i'm a huge fan of girls aloud i think they are one of the most forward-thinking 
pop bands of recent years. But she, this, this, this came, this tune we've just played, um, Beat My Drum, was produced by uh, electro producer Diplo and came from her album Cinderella, Cinderella Eyes, um, which is the most poorly designed front cover I think I've seen in some years of an album because it is in, it's pink on a background, which means you cannot actually read what the name of the album is which i just find so so i wouldn't reach out to my wife i just find that extremely vexing really but the album is called um is called uh, cinderella eyes and it is uh, oh no cinderella's with a posture i can't even read the whole title cinderella's <laughs> eyes and it's an extremely interesting electro pop record that is probably the best thing from it i would say but it's worth a, it's worth a, a listen to um a, 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 a long time listener and friend of ours um uh, joe rivers who is also an excellent music journalist uh, recently immigrated to australia said to me that her this album is he's been a long time admirer of this album we've been speaking about this for years and he said mm. that, uh, that uh, it's not available on spotify in australia and it was possibly his biggest reason for maybe coming back to england at some <laughs> so <laughs> which you know obviously a, a completely proportionate reaction so uh, so yeah i would recommend that album it's great excellent um, in, in January this year, Madonna aggravated many fans who'd arranged to come from all over the world to attend her run of concerts at the London Palladium. Because she is aggravating generally, Madonna. Well, she is, is a bit annoying, yeah. Um, she cancelled several show, shows in the run as she felt um, she needed more rest than she realised that she would. And um, she, she needed breaks. <laughs> Madonna, jeez. <laughs> she needed breaks between the shows. Uh, pity, really, she didn't really figure this out before she you know booked the yeah. run but there it, we are it did feel like that was a bit of a rude awakening for her mm. i get mm. the in there all of a sudden madonna realized she wasn't young anymore on the other hand madonna's of a similar age to me and i simply you know i, I couldn't last for a <laughs> string of two hour plus stage performances with the energy and movement right. dancing that madonna puts into a show on the other hand paul mccartney continues to tour the world he'll be 78 this year ringo tours extensively he'll be 80 this year Gosh. um the rolling stones are all approaching 80 and seem to tour every year they're all, all across america this summer but how healthy is this jules it seems that maybe no matter what your body is telling you, the biggest rock stars just they just can't let go of that adrenaline rush of appearing before adoring crowds. Well, quite. And what's quite interesting about this, there's a really good piece in The Guardian, which which has sort of prompted our discussion on this. Um, uh, the headline is The Road Will Kill You, Why Older Musicians Are Cancelling Tours. And uh, it, I love the opening paragraph with this. Uh, in a chilling quote from much-loved music documentary The Last Waltz about the band's final concert in 1979, leader Robbie Robertson looks straight into the can- camera and ominously says, The Road Will Kill You. Mm-hmm. At the time, he was just 34. I mean... <laughs> but um, Your age. Quite yes, just just a little bit younger than me. Mm. What is so um, what is so um, what's so upsetting about this? It's partly people not uh, people thinking that they're still young when they're not, and there's a rather sad story of Aerosmith feeling compelled to uh, get rid of their drummer Joey Kramer from their Grammy performance over alleged difficulties that 69 year old was having keeping the beats um, oh, which is just terrible really and I think that that it, my takeaway from this hmm. is not so much people well it's partly people still thinking they're young when they're not and big stars not having enough people to say no to them Madonna did not have anybody clearly yeah. that said to her or she was willing to listen to beforehand that would say look I 
are you sure that you're going to be able to do this many dates when you are uh, 61 years old? But of course, because she doesn't have that climate, um, and I think we've talked in the past after her disastrous Eurovision appearance last year of uh, how Madonna doesn't really have anybody in her life that's willing or able to say no to her. And I think that's very much to her detriment nowadays. I, th- I think it's led her into some unappetizing un- situations um the other thing that i take away from this which is um, the bat the, the drum that i always bang to, to hop back to the nicola roberts record <laughs> when we when we talked about the live music industry and you've told me to get over the fact that small <laughs> venues are closing etc i'm paraphrasing <laughs> but not by much um in the past what it says to me is and there's a lot of quotes in this article along the lines of the you know the the concert industry and the live music industry we've discussed before is a thing that's really keeping the show on the road if you pardon the pun with the with the music industry at the moment the as sales have kind of collapsed the live music arena is where people actually make money it used to be that bands toured bands bands toured in order to sell their records and now bands make records in order to tour them and make pot loads of money you know paying big big venues what's very telling about this is People have said there's there's a quote that says um, um, the um, there's a there's a quote here from someone that says uh, the older rock stars are the cornerstone of the concert industry and says it's a very real problem the industry is facing over the next ten years if more of them go out the problem is not so much that older rock stars aren't well enough to tour it's that there's no there's no one underneath to replace them there are no lower levels to uh, to to kind of grasp in their place and my argument has always been if you don't have small venues anymore then the the kind of way in which bands learnt their craft and worked themselves up into the live arena and built it built a following of people that would go and see them in the live arena has has completely gone and there was a, an interesting article i think again it was in the guardian a couple of weeks ago that took a slightly different slant on this but i think it's relevant which was talking about Younger stars like Lewis Capaldi, Ed Sheeran, people like that, who have got into difficulty, Adele, who have got into difficulties because Adele less so, but particularly some of the younger stars, because they were Jack Garrett, I think was a name that was mentioned as well, who uh, their debut albums unusually were so popular mm. that. Um, this is partly perhaps the, avar- the, the avarice and greed of the, of the music industry and again perhaps they're looking for acts in their desperation to look for big ticket acts that are the next rung down below these kind of ageing rock stars. People like you know like Ed Sheeran and, and, and Lewis Capaldi are being put to play venues like Wembley as their first ever gigs they're, yeah. they're playing arenas as they're sort of you know they haven't cut their teeth on the live circuit they've produced records that have been enormously successful fair play to them and then have been you know are touring arenas and then end up cancelling gigs because their voices simply aren't ready to do night after night they're not used to the physical endeavor that doing those huge shows really must be i mean fortunately i've never played wembley at this point in time yeah there's there's still time at the time of recording i have but you know who knows what the future may bring but there are so so for me that the the kind of the the cause of this problem is not so much the stars themselves it's the music industry that is so dependent on these people because there doesn't seem to be enough of a kind of a of a of a pipeline anymore it seems to be that the younger stars aren't ready they play these arenas and then they peg out because unsurprisingly they're they're not used to playing those arenas the problem is not 
you know rocks the big older rock stars playing arenas the problem is is that there is the death of the live music industry lower down the food chain which then doesn't produce the kind of acts that can live in those arenas yeah that's that's a very interesting point i hadn't hadn't thought of that and i i I do fully see what you mean i accept that The, the, the sheer drive an emotional impact of, of performing, especially as an older star. Mm. Um, and, and we could see that um, recently, the really rather, it's rather heartbreaking footage of Elton John being helped off stage last oh, month yes, in Orphan, New yes. Zealand, because incredibly, he was trying to perform while suffering from walking pneumonia, which, I mean, most people would be oh. at worst hospitalised uh, or at best calling in sick to work and, you know, lying on the sofa, sleeping fitfully mm-hmm. and watching um uh, the attic, yes or yes the schofield and holly or catching the attic yeah, on daytime tv and elton tried to complete a full rock show and i think these really huge in terms of the in terms of their fan base rock stars like um elton stones mccartney madonna they obviously don't need the money so it must be just the old showbiz showbiz adage of the you know the acclaim of the crowds and the the roar of welcome when you walk on stage and the emotional rush of it all and it it, it must be just like a drug that has its grip on them that they just can't let go yes it's very telling isn't it like you say perhaps i'm going to be a little bit kinder to people like elton although i do agree that there is something about you know the because because there is no way that elton john needs the money unless something has gone absolutely catastrophically wrong there's no way that he needs the money to do that so it's part it's partly you know this kind of the uh you know you've been too famous for too long if you see what i mean what do you do when the to use that bros documentary when the screaming stops yeah. what happens then but Part of me also wonders if, and in so so I often and I often hark back to this, but Elton John's interview in Word magazine a few years ago, where um he talks about his kind of cutting his teeth again, playing in the in the clubs, in the live, you know, playing three or four nights a week, playing standards in sort of clubs when you go out to listen to music, and it was much more of a kind of an ecosystem. I wonder if you know when you've spent years, and I think this this is perhaps true of stage actors and actresses as well. This show must go on not just because you you like the the, the famous and the, you know the, the 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 buzz of performing and and being famous although i suspect that is a large part of it but the idea that you know you would never want to cancel a show because that's what you do in showbiz you are an, an old stager and you don't want to let people down and i wonder if if you have you know been a real kind of workhorse before before he became famous he was like a you know he was a proper jobbing musician and maybe once you've got into that idea that if you you know you you paid it you play to get paid and if you don't play you don't get paid i wonder if that does leave a mark on you that that kind of and i certainly know you know people that are i know people that are retired that do volunteering that turn up to volunteering ill because they've had manual labor jobs previously Mm. and that mindset of you've got to go in or otherwise you don't get paid and things don't don't happen I wonder if that stays with you. I don't know. I might be being too kind, but I wonder if that's an element of it. Yeah, and also I think no, I think that's they're fair enough. And I think if you, in sort of say Elton McCartney, so those people that you spent fifty, maybe sixty years um, actually playing live, recording albums, and that's been your life year in year out. You record mm-hmm. an album, and as we were saying earlier, you know, you go out and 
play it live and it's turned around you used to play live to make the money off the album now it's the other way around you put out the album to promote the tour um if you suddenly stop that just like boom i'm stopping and you you mm. you you'd probably go a bit mad you know what do you what do you do it's it's everything you know what do you do all day that's the thing and even and the thing about elton john is that he particularly is that and the thing that really struck me about him is when you look at his dis- uh, discography, particularly the studio albums, um, he is insanely prolific in sort of periods where, uh, less so in more recent years, and understandably so, but when you look back, he had studio albums out in 69, 70, 70 another one in 70, 71, 72, 72 in 73, 74, 75, 2 in 75, 76, 78, 79, 80, 81, 82, 83, 85, 86, 88, 89. And then after that, we then go to one every three or four years, mm. getting longer as we go into the 2000s and the 2010s. But that is... That is such a work ethic, isn't it? That really is. Uh, and you might say that some are better than others, and that's probably true. But but that is, you know, and if you're touring alongside that as well, mm. even if you produce less records, that's a really difficult mindset to get out of, I think. I think that's, uh, for whatever reason, that is uh, that has been a way of life for so long that it must be very strange not to do that anymore. Absolutely. Coming next, is a band still that band? without the singer trick as broom eh <laughs> exactly uh, the allure of the front man that's mm. next after the faces drink Left you on the debris at the Sunday morning market. You were sorting through the odds and ends. You was looking for a bargain. I heard your footsteps at the front door. That old familiar love song Cause you knew you'd find me waiting there At the top of the stairs Trouble at the depot with the general workers union. And yes, said they'll never change a thing. Well, 
they won't fight and they're not working a lovely track written by Ronnie Lane and sung by him with Rod Stewart on backing vocals a, a song all about his um, his dad Ronnie Lane's dad and their relationship from the 1971 album A Nod's As Good As A Wink To A Blind Horse which unsurprisingly was the title was too long they couldn't fit it on the album sleeve <laughs> uh, The Faces and Debris Oh, that's a that's a great tune. That's it. I haven't heard. I'm always. I feel relatively. Um. You know, people say that they're widely read and and or they're well read. Eddie is. I used to refer to himself as thinly read when doing his. Yeah. I feel myself thinly faced. Really. Yes. I, I haven't. I haven't listened to enough faces over the years because I genuinely really like everything I hear. It was a it was a rare example of a band surviving the departure of the singer because um, and replacing him successfully. Very rare because Steve Marriott left the Small Faces and formed Humble Pie, and the band shortened their name to Faces, recruited Rod Stewart, and continued to much success. But then, when Rod Stewart left to pursue a solo career, everything the band collapsed. Mm. And so it's it's rare when that a band sustains success or even goes on to greater things when when the singer leaves and the only prominent example that i could think of this week thinking about it uh, that comes to mind is peter gabriel leaving genesis and eventually after they uh, auditioned countless replacements mm-hmm. phil collins stepped forward from a drum kit and as, as singer took them on to even greater heights but so jules led zeppelin without robert plant the stones without mick the who without roger daltrey bands are nothing without their singer 
Well, it is difficult, isn't it? There are some circumstances, and again, talking about the music industry's need to make money and other musicians' need to keep performing, there have been some bands that have started again with different singers. So um, so Queen have had a go at, at, at replacing Freddie Mercury, which does seem a bit insane. But yes. they, they perform with Adam Lambert, and they perform with Paul Rogers from Free, I think, as well, who, who's yes. performed with them in some years. Um it, to I, what degree of success, though, Jules? No, you know? I know, I know, and it, it is, it is interesting, isn't it? I suppose it depends. It it depends on on I guess the balance of to what extent do we know man's just singing and to what extent to extent do we know them for their uh, for their uh, their their music and I uh, the instrumentation and I wonder if we particularly miss singers that write the songs. I'm but then having said that I'm struggling to think of many bands where the creative force is not the singer really. I I I guess uh, Oasis and Noel Gallagher tended mm. to be. Behind them, but it would be interesting. But there will rec- be interesting to think there were records where Noel Gallagher did sing actually. But then, having said that, would Oasis truly be Oasis without the kind of the snarl of Liam Gallagher over the top of it? Really, it's it's like you say, it's 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 difficult to kind of separate the two. I think really, and most of my favourite bands, the singer is the creative force. So Damon Albarn in Blur. Mm. Um, uh, Tom York in Radiohead. One thing that I did find interesting, I don't think it could work as a, as a, like you say, the Queen thing. I, it can only work in certain circumstances, I think, or for so long. One thing that that I would have very much supported. Speaking of my favourite bands, but uh, but but I uh, and I think it would have worked, but unfortunately it was not to be, and I was very sad about that. Was Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters said a, a, a couple of years ago that um, Nirvana were in, inducted, induced, I don't know, into the, <laughs> into the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in America. Yes. And of course, the tradition is that the band that is being, you know induced inducted you know brought in whatever um performs at the ceremony of mm. course Kirk and Bain could not be there for the totally reasonable reason that he passed away 20 years ago that's a fair excuse I suppose it's all right really and I thought this was so good they decided they they mooted the idea that they thought if they were going to get a replacement singer it shouldn't be someone that would copy him straight away. There'd be someone that we should bring their own thing to, but it'd be someone of whom Kurt Cobain was a huge was a huge fan, and they asked PJ Harvey to do it. And I'm no, she you're was kidding. She was on tour and she couldn't do it because otherwise, apparently, she would have agreed to it, and that would have been absolutely terrific. I think. Good because lord, Kurt Cobain's. Um, I know one of those things where you think, gosh, I wish, I wish history had been different. One of those things where Kurt Cobain published a list of fifty albums that he really liked uh, before he passed away and they're, they're, I've seen it handwritten before and two of them I think were PJ Harvey albums oh. he was an enormous fan and an admirer of hers I'm not sure if they ever met or not but I lo- but apparently she was open to the idea of doing it but wasn't able to do so and it's such a pity because I think that would have been terrific so I'd never like, heard that story before that's incredible so so I, part of me thinks you know it is it is possible um, to do things as a sort of a one-off, if you see what I think, I think. But um, I think in the end they might have done it with with difference. They they uh, they approached they approached some male singers apparently, but um, but they they their particular choice was P J Holby and she was unavailable. But I think in circumstances like that, if you are going to try and replace the singer, um, it was it was uh, it's something which you'd think. You got the way to do it is to do something like that. Is to do something that 
is so out there and is bringing a different thing to it. But in terms of actually getting a new singer in, uh, interestingly, one circumstance which did seem to work. So I think I spoke on the podcast before about the fact that I, me and my parents are forever going to see the Manfreds. Oh, yes. I've seen them four times. I might not see them a fifth, but I don't know. I feel I've seen the show now. Although it always they get a, a good supporting roster usually. Last time I went almost entirely to see Georgie Fame, who was excellent. But uh, they... Uh, they started off with uh, they started off with with their singer of, of of Paul Jones, and then he was replaced by Mark Di- Mark Mike Darbo when he left. And now they're performing on the sort of the not not even the revival circuit; they're just touring. Mm-hmm. And the two of them are both in the band and are very good natured about the fact that they take it in turns to sing the songs. So so there is a happy ending to this sometimes. But and and there was a there's a sort of a joke about the fact that that the first single they did after Paul. Jones left was the semi-detached suburban Mr. Mr. James, but he sort of he says himself on the light on the night that his theory was always that it was meant to be Mr. Jones and they changed it. It was a bit of a dig about the fact that he'd left the band for a new life. So so there are, you know, maybe the part the passage of time makes things like that easier. I don't know. But yes, I agree with you. You have to do something pretty special to make it work without the singer, I think. I've kind of thought of one other example. I don't know if this is a fair one or not, just while you were talking there, because when yeah. you spoke about Kurt Cobain, if someone reminded me, is, um, Joy Division became New Order, yeah. didn't they? And had greater success after the death of Ian Curtis. But they were technically a different band, weren't they? They had a Yeah, it doesn't really count, I suppose. Well, well it, but it, 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 I think it, it, it dovetails nicely with my point that if you are going to work without the singer, you've got to take a different approach to it. I think you have to, you can't do the same thing with a different singer. You can, you can do the different thing. It can do a different thing with the, with the same singer, or you could do a different thing with a different singer. I think. Generally, it seems uh, the lead singer holds all the cards, and if he or she leaves, peril awaits. Absolutely, but the parallel that we do have with your other example that works is that, of course, with Genesis having a new singer and and uh, Joy Division slash New Order having a new singer, that new singer was already in the band. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what makes it work. Maybe that's it. Someone that people are willing to buy because they are at least already in the band. Very true. That's that, uh, that's a good point. Um, thanks very much for listening this week. It's it's lovely that you're there. Always, yes. Thank you very much for making it worthwhile us doing. <laughs> thanks to Rona and Hilly for their help this week. As always. And um, oh, Jules, the Charlatans. Yeah, indeed. This is a very long track to finish on. So, uh, so yeah, I um, I uh, do feel free to go and make a cup of tea before you hear them hear hear our pals telling you who produced this podcast at the end. But um, but yeah, I do like this very much. And it is so underrated this record. And um, and the thing I love about it is that the 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 bass line is one of those. I love these kind of bass lines which aren't particularly ornate, but they drive the song on. Just it's sort of a marathon bass line. Someone just does the same thing over and over again, and I think that is brilliant. And there's there's a real kind of I think this is their their finest re- record for me. I think from the from the album Us and Us Only, I I just think this is brilliant. It's 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 so compelling. It's one of those songs that if I put on repeat, I've listened to it five times before I've really even noticed what's happening. Which, given that it's seven minutes long, is 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 no mean feat really. But anyway, this is the excellent Charlatans and Forever.
Listening to a Parish Council production.